What's up, NBA fans? We're about two months away from the start of the NBA season. But before we get there, uh, we got to kick things off with our division preview series. Every week we break down a different NBA division and see whether those teams are trending up, who's the big hitters, who's le- who left these teams, who got added, um, and what we think their performance will be like in this upcoming NBA season. Um, but before we go to our division preview of this week, how about we give a little shout out to Mono Ginobili who announced his retirement from the NBA uh, just a couple days ago. Yeah, shout out to Jamano Ginobili. Uh, we touched on him a little bit last week. Um, I, I told him he should go retire. He listened to the podcast and sure <laughs> enough, um, yeah, Mono has gone. He's after 16 seasons, 41 year old man. He gets to retire in the lap of luxury um, as a legend in San Antonio. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Congrats, Manu. Awesome career. Yeah. Yeah. He's a legend in San Antonio for sure. Whether or not he's a Hall of Famer for the NBA in historical terms, that's to be determined. I don't think it's much to be determined. In, I, I don't know. I, I see him as clear Hall of Famer. Yeah. Well, we'll discuss. But before we go there here on the NBA Second Stringers NBA podcast, Here's a trivia question for you. So when Mono Ginobili announced his retirement, a pest company in San Antonio reached out via Twitter offering a field technician job to Mono Ginobili specializing in the the removal of what rodent slash pest do you think, Sean? (laughs) That's not even the weirdest part of this. (laughs) Um, I don't even know. What, what's what's popular in Texas? What kind of they got raccoons? I'll go with raccoons. Yeah, raccoons. Yeah. That's a good guess. I guess it's kind of hard to get get the good one here <laughs> unless you're in unless you're from San Antonio. But it's actually um and bat removal. A bat. So oh. yeah, a couple possible. I don't remember the exact year now. I think it was 2008. Um, during a regular season game, the Kings versus the Spurs in San Antonio, a bat actually went into the arena and they had to stop the game because it was flying pretty close to the court. Um, And as the ref uh, stopped the game, Mono Ginobili reaches out with his right hand and catches the sucker right in midair, (laughs) um, hands it off to one of the maintenance guys, and and they remove the bat from the arena. But it since then has become a very infamous moment for Mono Ginobili and has revived itself back on social media with his retirement announcement. Hey, I mean... On top of being a four-time NBA champ, two-time NBA All-Star, Olympic gold medalist for Argentina, and a EuroLeague MVP, why not be the employee of the month at this pest control company? It seems, <laughs> seems like the next step for me. Yeah, employee of the month. Uh, go after that record of most bat removals in NBA arenas Yeah, ever. using only your bare hands. Pretty badass. Right. Pretty badass. Yeah, so Mono Ginobili's announcement came with a lot of surprise. Well, not a lot of surprises, but a lot of uh, a lot of praise. Um, a little bit of bittersweet. The mayor of San Antonio declared August nineteenth as Mono Ginobili Day in San Antonio, and in his homeland of Argentina, every single major national newspaper, which is nine of them, wow. um, had Mono Ginobili on their front cover, despite them being only a couple months away from an election. Oh, and, snap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is that is there some uh is there like a hidden meaning under that alan are you saying that argentina needs to step up their game with their with their politics <laughs> all i'm saying is you're months away from your election and i mean hey malden is a pretty kick-ass a uh, sports figure but hey he made your fr- he made the front page at every single uh major newspaper including 
uh, some uh, business journals that don't cover sports at all um, still uh, managed to feature Mauro Ginobili on their front cover and write a story about his uh, announcement for uh, retirement from the NBA. But the think about it this way, though. if Once LeBron <laughs> James retires, you don't think like that's going to be as big a deal here as it is for Argentina, for Mauro Ginobili? I'm sure it is, but I don't think... Um... I don't think NPR would have it as their front no? <laughs> on their front page. No, I don't know. I don't man. know, I don't I know think... if the Wall Street Journal would have I... it on their front page. I bet. I bet. Uh, like CNN would. I bet. Oh, CNN. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's because they love LeBron. Like they even interviewed <laughs> him. And the, uh, yeah. but I mean, what do you? So what do you do for Manu Ginobili Day in San Antonio? Like, do you do you all <laughs> dress up like Manu? Do you all like shave your heads a little bit? Like get the cul-de-sac do you, do you going. Euro step to work. I don't like. What? <laughs> do you even go to work? I, I don't even. Is this like a a state holiday now? I don't really know what you do for Monday Day. Yeah, everybody flops. Like coordinated <laughs> flop. Yeah. yeah, whenever anyone touches you, you just go flying down the block. <laughs> yeah, I mean that you hit on a couple big points there. It's like when you think Mono Ginobili, what exactly do you think? And I think a lot of what you said are, is probably the first things that will come to people's mind is the Eurostep, uh, the regression <laughs> of hair. <laughs> man, we are just disrespecting this man so much. <laughs> yeah. The flopping. I mean, Mono Ginobili just, man, he was one hell of a flopper. Um, <laughs> Notorious in all those Lakers Spurs series, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah, more than anything, that series against the Suns. Uh, for me, Mono Ginobili, for the most part of his career, was a villain to me. Yeah. I never really – I mean, I thought – I always knew he was a good basketball player, but I, I didn't find him very likable. So is this why you think that he's not worthy of a Hall of Fame ballot? Just because you don't actually, like him? Or what, what are you thinking there? Actually, I'm on the other side oh. of the corner. I think this man deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Um. I mean, I don't find him very – likable just because i mean he he kicked the ass of all the teams i liked <laughs> including my favorite team the lakers and for a while there i, I really wanted this I, I was a steve nash fan so i wouldn't have minded to see him in the finals and san antonio stood in the way um but i mean yeah i mean when you look at his career numbers uh, it's pretty modest to say it's 13 points a game 3.5 rebounds 3.8 assists 44 percent shooting from the field uh and he averaged and he averaged the uh, uh, 25 minutes a game, which isn't sort of to the level of most Hall of Famers, you would think. Right. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, I think Mono Ginobili is in there, not because of statistical reasons. Well, those, but I mean, four time NBA champion, uh, part of one of the great dynasties that transcended decades, really, than the San Antonio Spurs. Um, and I mean, he was an international figure in basketball that uh can't really is matched by very few and i guess dirk Nowitzki and paul gasol come the closest right i mean when you lead a team that isn't the usa to a national or a international basketball championship title right. like that's crazy like no one should ever beat the usa but manu did it and yeah he's been coming off the bench his whole career he's accepted that role but he's still such an important cog to what the spurs did in all those dynasty years there's mm -hmm. just it's kind of like Rip Hamilton on the Pistons. Like yeah. Rip Hamilton, in my mind, does not scream superstar NBA Hall of Fame player, but there he is on the ballot. Like he's gonna make it in there, and 
Yeah, I, I see Manu Ginobili as a better player than that. So and means more to the Spurs organization. So I if if Rip Hamilton's gonna make it on the ballot, then Ginobili easily does. Yeah, I agree. And so much, so much of the Hall of Fame, I feel. Uh, part of it is more than just basketball statistics. Part of it is also cultural, just impact, just yeah. impact to the game of basketball. And on the internet, on the international level, um, Mono Ginobili has been one of the best um, players, basketball players to have come from somewhere else outside of the U.S. And yeah, I mean that Olympic gold medal is worth uh, a lot more than any other Olympic gold medal, I think, in basketball oh, for yeah. the fact that you're. <laughs> He, the way he wanted, no, no, no real NBA stars on that squad, and they took down the U.S. and uh, walked away with that win, which is huge. Yeah, so nice job, Ginobili. And um, I don't think this hurts the Spurs very much as far as going into <laughs> next season. I mean, I'm sure he would have gotten a good amount of minutes still off the bench, maybe 20 minutes a game, but I, I don't really see it making a huge impact on what they were going to do this year anyway. Yeah. Same here. I mean, Ginobili, uh, he was more rested during the regular season as well. He was His impact was more um, in the intangibles and in playoff time. And I think the Spurs and Mono Ginobili seemed like they were both ready to move on. Yeah, Spurs are entering a new era. DeMar DeRozan's yeah. in town. Kawhi's out. We'll see what they can do with it. Yeah. So how about here? The NBA Board of Governors making some changes here. Um Interesting one here right off the bat. On offensive rebounds, the clock will reset to 14 seconds instead of uh, back to the full 24 seconds. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this no. rule here. E- e- it seems... What are you thinking? It seems kind of minor, but this is going to affect... Um, this is more to going to affect like games that come down the stretch here. Uh, I mean, I feel like if you get an offensive rebound, I feel like you should be rewarded with a full 24 um, but I can see the thinking here in that if you are rewarded, say, two minutes uh, left in the game, uh, you're up by two and you get your own offensive rebound, you continue to just suck more time off the clock here. Well, yeah, it's, it's like, why should you be rewarded a full 24, in my opinion? Like, 14, that's still a good chunk of seconds for getting an offensive rebound. And it, it just picks up the pace of the game a little bit, which, yeah. I mean, the NBA already, like, like as it stands is one of the most exciting action packed sports out there as far as like mainstream organizational sports the most boring part of the game is when they're just trying to eat clock <laughs> so this eliminates <laughs> this true. eliminates that and it it makes them actually play more basketball at a quicker pace i i think it'll work pretty well i'm pretty positive i just think i think the odds of you getting a defensive rebound are still a lot higher then you getting an offensive rebound. So if you manage to get that offensive rebound, I still think you should be rewarded back with that full 24. Why? Why you're you're getting 14 <laughs> extra seconds? That's pretty good. It's like most I most mean, NBA teams only need 14 seconds to run a play. So you're just standing there for 10 seconds, just waiting to get <laughs> to 14 anyway. So we'll just cut that out for you. True, but I, I'm. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how this plays out. My thinking is we'll only really see the effects of this um, at the end of close games. Right, uh, yeah. But uh, 
It'll be interesting to see how this com if it completely changes the flow of the game. Are we gonna are we gonna see teams hit 130 points now because of uh, this rule change? I don't I don't think it'll be that <laughs> impactful. Like how many offensive no. rebounds do you really see that where they are using the full clock again? And it it really only is at the end of the game. So right, yeah, I don't I I can't imagine this would increase the pace <laughs> of the game so much to where like players were getting super fatigued and scores were just getting that much higher like yeah there's just no way yeah the kings average like 125 points a game or something yeah <laughs> maybe they'll they'll uh, look look again at it at the end of the season if if it does i mean it hasn't really gotten voted in yet i think it's just likely to be voted in okay well how about this second rule here yeah wh this one was kind of complicated to me were you able to read <laughs> this one i I just took this verbatim from ESPN. So it has to do with the clear path rule. Um, under the changes, a clear path to the basket would be in play under these three instances. One, a personal foul is committed on any offensive player during his team's transition scoring opportunity. Or two, when the foul occurs, the ball is ahead of the tip of the circle in the backcourt. No defensive player is ahead of the offensive player with a scoring opportunity, and that offensive player is in control of the ball, or a pass to him has been released. Or it's in play if the defensive foul deprives the offensive team of a trans transition scoring opportunity. So, yeah, this, this seems like it's just expanding on the clear path foul, what exactly that means. Um, it's... It, it's still it seems like they're trying to make it more definitive that if you have a transition opportunity and you get fouled um then it's a clear path foul so before if you were uh, ahead of the defense and you were running and you got fouled from the from behind then it was a clear path foul and in order to avoid that teams would uh quickly move ahead of the offensive player and foul them from the front to avoid that clear path foul. But here it seems like with these changes, um, a clear path foul would be called regardless of whether it was committed from behind or from the, or from the front. Interesting. If that makes sense. It like kind of makes sense. It's so, it's so, yeah, complex, so especially this, the second instance where it's like the ball is ahead of the tip of the circle in the backcourt. No defensive player is ahead of the offensive player with a scoring opportunity and that offensive player is in control of the ball or pass him has been released. And so that tip of the circle is talking about their own backcourt or the opposing backcourt. Um, that's what I'm not sure of here either. Tip of the circle in the backcourt. It seems like, like, ah, it's so, <laughs> it's so confusing. <laughs> It it is kind of confusing. I think we we probably should just go back to this next week and try to. How about how about if it actually gets bit. voted in, we can go back to it. I'm kind of hoping it just doesn't get voted in, so I don't have <laughs> to look at it again. But it seems like an important yeah. rule change because that stuff does happen like semi regularly. Yeah, and yeah, for the most part, yeah, when you somebody steals the ball, they get a transition opportunity. Like I said, teams avoid it by uh, quickly running in front of that player and fouling them from the front as opposed to the back. Because if you get the clear path foul, then it's you get the two free throws and the ball back. So that's potentially four points. You're looking at four point or five point swings there. Right. 
Um, and if you open that up even more, then yeah, this would be something that could uh, definitely open up scoring furthermore for teams. Right. Yeah. And we really didn't do enough of our research on this rule. I, I personally <laughs> was like, oh, clear path rule changes. That sounds boring. I'm just going to copy it in and hopefully we can figure it out later. It was way more complicated yeah. than I thought. But anyway, this this next rule change, the last one that they're going to be voting on soon, the expanded definition of a hostile act. And that's now... Okay. That will now extend beyond interaction with another player to also include any hostile interactions with a referee, coach, or fan. That okay, makes, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that's way easier to understand. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. and that this is kind of a long time coming, really. Yeah, like this should have been enacted back when Ron Artest went and punched a fan <laughs> in the face. <laughs> yeah and i mean hell i mean some of these refs take some abuse from these players in terms of how they get yelled at and um and it's kind of funny that they're not under the same protection yeah that's just... i'm not sh- it it doesn't happen very often with fans i don't think no. um but with referees there's definitely times where oh man if you relooked it you probably should have given that guy a technical right there right yeah i wonder if that's why that's that's definitely a good point that's probably the main reason why this is being expanded on this rule is because of how much players were complaining to referees last year about foul calls like guys like kevin durant just like just complaining about every single call on them I, i wonder if this is in reaction to that kind of stuff yeah, I think so. I think it's just something else uh, you can dangle over players and be like, hey, like we have now, there is a rule now that will allow us to look back at these interactions that you did um, and possibly uh, call something that wasn't originally called or maybe switch switch a call um, or upgrade, I guess, a technical foul to something else. Right. Yeah. I hope the players start treating the referees with more respect next season. Like it got kind of ridiculous how much they'd argue calls on like every yeah, single play. Me, yeah, to me more than anything is the lack of consistency over who gets a technical and who doesn't get a yeah, technical. Yeah, it's just like how much they can put up with in that moment. <laughs> yeah, that is annoying, I think, to a lot of basketball fans. I mean, Draymond Green just seemed to not get technical foul calls, and whereas other players, they rarely speak, but the moment that they do speak, for some reason, because relative to when they do speak up, Seems so much worse. They get the technical right there and then. Yeah, that is really biased that way. It's always that's <laughs> always bugged me a little bit. Yeah, the inconsistency I think is what's annoying to me. Yeah, but hey, were you able to check out? Um, this was pretty interesting. The ESPN releasing the BPI preseason projections for each team. I did get a chance yeah. to look at this it. This is always a really cool one to me. Just getting to see, like, looking into the numbers and seeing what kind of playoff picture we're looking at potentially mm-hmm. um as it's no surprise su- the warriors are at top again yeah like to me it's still surprising how much higher up the lakers are than some of these other western conference teams yeah um i guess it well i guess it's really close i mean lakers to jazz is only 0.1 of a point um but i didn't think the gap between timberwolves and lakers is that large or the blazers um, I, I would argue that that makes sense to me, but we can get more into that when we get to the Timberwolves section of our division preview <laughs> today. But yeah. yeah, the Lakers, man, they, they get ranked so highly in all these things. And can you really blame them, though? Like LeBron James is LeBron James. Right. 
That's it's true. Like he, he he's also 34 years old. It doesn't matter, man. <laughs> the, so the part that bugs me is that the Clippers are negative 1.9 on this. <laughs> 19th in the league. I basically take this as like ESPN's power rankings for right now. So they're putting the Clippers behind yeah. the Pistons and Blake Griffin, <laughs> and I, I can't stand for that. What is that gap between the Pistons and it's the Clippers, It's 0.3. Though? The Pistons are just one spot ahead of us. Just 0.3 ahead. Okay. I can't. Yeah. I can't let Blake Griffin beat us, man. Yeah, we'll see. It's it's hard because it's it's almost not going to be an apples to apples comparison, because uh, it could very well be. I think that the Pistons could have a better record than the Clippers, just out of the yeah. sheer number of competitive teams they're yeah, playing. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I just I can't let them but, beat us. Yeah, we do have a I really <laughs> we have a really low chance of making the playoffs though. Clippers are at a six percent yeah. chance to make the playoffs. Where Detroit's at fifty three because of oh. the East versus West thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of them is I'd see like the West Coast is just like or West Western Conference is just varsity, and the Eastern Conference is JV. <laughs> it's really true. <laughs> I mean, outside of Boston yeah. and Toronto and Philadelphia, obviously. Um, something yeah. else interesting to note is last year the Warriors were fifty eight percent chance to win. At this point in the season, at the, at the preseason, 58% chance mm-hmm. to win it all. This year, they're only at 40%. So their title chances have gone down pretty significantly from last year. That's funny, considering they just signed uh, DeMarcus, DeMarcus Cousins. Cousins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's pretty funny. And I don't know if that's because of how much they believe in Boston or Toronto, or if they really think that a team like Houston or the Jazz or OKC can actually come in and upset the Warriors before they get to the finals. Or maybe it's a combination yeah. of the two. Maybe they just think that the NBA is top-heavy enough to maybe take a shot at the Warriors. Yeah, because I would make the argument that maybe as a whole the West... Well, I think the Houston Rockets, the way they were built last year... Uh, we're a lot stronger than any team this, the, I think, outside of the Warriors heading into this uh, Western Conference season and heading into this NBA season. Right. So I don't think the competition's gotten any better, I would say. But I would, I will say that the this first half season, first half of the season Warriors is probably the weakest Warrior team um, we've seen in the last two years, I think. Yeah. Just because they will have no DeMarcus Cousins and they're, they're going to, they're lacking some depth in the, center and power forward positions right. there and they can always run with the draymond green at center uh yeah, yeah. starting five putting andre guadala in there but so i can only really works i could see th- yeah i mean i could see that having an effect i guess on seeding and therefore maybe having an effect on probabilities yeah like, true you could see the warriors finish third in the west this year because of that Ooh, maybe wow that would be cr- uh, that would be pretty interesting I don't yeah, yeah, third in the West. I, I I guess it could happen. I mean, the Cavs were fourth in the East last year and they made it to the finals, mm-hmm. so it's not out of the question. Yeah. That's it's possible, but I mean it all depends how much that lack of depth, um, and not having DeMarcus Cousins that first half of the season um is gonna affect their regular season uh uh, yeah, we're gonna watch Jordan Bell become the next superstar. <laughs> then it's you just could. game over, man. I mean, basically, all he has to do is just go out there and just, just dunk, grab eleven boards, ten points. Uh, don't shoot any worse than like 
45 percent and he's yeah, don't even shoot just dunk the ball just get Arden. alley-oops from steph <laughs> and kevin durant you don't have to do much like you're the fifth best player on your team <laughs> by, by by a lot, by a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he could break out man Jeez. yeah all right well how about this uh the the lifting of the color restriction on sneakers i feel hmm. like this is a long time coming don't you yeah, it, yeah, it's kind of like, okay, I thought, well, I thought this was already gonna get, I don't know. You thought it's it like, wasn't oh. even like a thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I figured it was a thing because, yeah, everybody just kind of wears team color shoes except for those special days where they're allowed to wear the their their colors. Right. Um. Yeah, pretty cool. I think. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I think that it's gonna be pretty interesting. Uh, the the types of stuff we'll see from some of these top players, like who who do you yeah. think is gonna have like the nicest kicks? The nicest yeah. kicks. Uh I'm gonna have to go with LeBron here. I was a fan of the LeBron 15s that uh-huh. he had last year. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're shying too much away from that same style that he had. Uh, so I mean, he is the king. He is Nike's <laughs> number one basketball athlete. Right? Uh, so if anybody's going to get the nice stuff and the color pops, it'll probably be him. You know, I'm thinking along a different line. I'm thinking along okay. the lines of a guy who comes to every game, walks into the, walks into the arena, just looking ridiculous. <laughs> or should I say okay, rustic? I think I know where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like I know where you're going with this. There, there's no way anyone's going to outdo Russ's shoe game next year. Yeah, like he's allowed to do whatever true. he wants. I mean, outside of like knives and crap, I'm pretty sure you're still not allowed <laughs> to have like sharp objects or like reflect like shiny reflective parts of the shoe. But out- outside yeah. of that, man, like he's gonna have the craziest looking kicks. Like <laughs> it's gonna, it's he's probably gonna wear them into the arena. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It'll be interesting. Let's see what the Jordan brand uh, tries to cook up for him uh, with his why not shoes. Um, I guess those would he's gonna be popping the why not twos at some point whenever those drop. Yeah, so so Russ uh, is is sponsored by Jordan for sneakers, right? Yep, he's he ha- he has his own um he has his own signature line. Well, his first pair of signature shoes came out last year, uh, so I expect he would get a second rendition of those at some point in the fall. I'm thinking they'll probably drop. Okay, so I think this bolsters my prediction even more because this <laughs> this initial. Like restriction on what sneakers you can wear was in the 84-85 season when MJ's original Air Jordan 1s, he got a message basically telling him his shoes are banned and they were just black and red. Like there's not, they didn't seem like there's anything wrong with them, but because they weren't like 50% black or 50% white, then they like put the hammer on him and then Nike turned that into a marketing campaign and then everyone wanted the Air Jordan. And that's really what ignited the brand from there. So I can see Air Jordan definitely getting a big push uh, for some crazy kicks now that the ban's been lifted. Yeah. Well, let's see. And, I mean, Oklahoma City is projected to be one of those top teams, so they're going to be on national TV. So more reason for Jordan to try to push something with Russ. Yeah, definitely. But uh, we'll see. I guess we should keep tabs on this, see see what crazy kicks come out every week. Um, mm-hmm. We're still going with jo- with LeBron here, though. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. I'm not I'm not saying that he's not gonna have a really cool looking shoes, 
but I just think Russ is going to be cooler. All right, all right. Well, let's go. Let's dig right into our uh, division preview. So we're starting things off with the Northwest Division, which could possibly be uh, the most competitive division in the Western Conference, I think, uh, where you got to, you got the Blazers, you got the Thunder, you got the Jazz, and the Timberwolves, and the Nuggets, potentially all teams contending for playoff spots. I mean, one of them, the Oklahoma City Thunder, are trying to be in the elite category for the Western Conference top three. So all these guys are going to uh, battle it out. So let's get started with the Trailblazers here. Sean, what do you got for yeah, us? Yeah, so like like you said, this is going to be a really exciting division to watch if all five of these teams can make the playoffs. Um, the Blazers are no exception, but they're going to have a tough road ahead. So they added Seth Curry, not to be confused with a certain <laughs> other Curry, and Nick yeah. Stauskas. They drafted a guy and Fernie Simons, which this guy actually has a pretty interesting story so far. He didn't play in college. Uh, was originally ranked as a five-star recruit, seventh best in the 2018 class, and had committed to Louisville. But because of the basketball sex scandal in 2015, he decided to uh, quit his declaration from Louisville and Mm. ultimately decided to forego college completely, uh, just playing at the IMG Academy in Bradenton. And just took a year off, basically, and didn't go anywhere to college. And then he gets drafted 24th by the Blazers, um, making him the nice. third player since 2015 to be drafted straight from high school. Is Bradenton, is that in Florida? Or is mm-hmm. that like, yeah, is that Bradenton, Florida? Mm-hmm. Nice. That's interesting. Yeah, this guy just kind of just flown under the radar. I'm surprised more people don't take this type of route. It's such a risk though cuz you don't you don't really know what yeah. you're getting with the high schoolers. You lo- you want to see them play at a college level. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, and Fernie si- Simons, I mean this this guy could be the real deal. We'll we'll have to see with him. Yeah. Um so, but they the Blazers do have some key departures because of the salary cap space that they don't have. Uh they lost some key yeah. reserves in Pat Connington, Ed Davis, Shabazz Napier, and Giorgio's Papagianis. That's a great name. <laughs> oh man, that you succeeded in saying Dude, that name. Oh yeah, well. I, I st- that was that was that was good. I studied that one. His last yeah, name's kind of easy, honestly, because it's like Giannis, but with it's just he's Papa Giannis. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that those are yeah. four key reserves that they're losing, so that'll be interesting for them. Mm-hmm. But they are able to resign their big man, Yusuf Nurkic, to four years, forty-eight million. So the core of their team has remained intact. So I think that was really important for them, um, especially in a pretty dry free agency year when they really didn't have money, many options otherwise. Yeah. I think for me, the thing that I'm noticing would, is probably going to hurt this team is losing Ed Davis and Napier, uh, two solid veterans that they had coming off their bench, who were really, I mean, Ed Davis, I think, was probably underpaid for the services he brought to this team. Yeah, I think so too. But this brings me to a big point, though, about this team, and I'll skip to the X factor right now, Zach Collins. Mm-hmm. Zach Collins is going to have yeah. a much larger role in this offense, in, in this whole team now that Ed Davis is gone. Ed Davis was playing some right. really significant minutes for them. And I read this really interesting article that I found from what I assume is a Blazers fan uh, talking <laughs> about how their GM, Neil Olshney, um, back when C.J. McCollum took over for Wesley Matthews, 
uh, after Wesley Matthews went down with that bad injury. Um, <laughs> what was that? Four years ago in the playoffs. Um, CJ McCollum took over and he lit it up. And if it wasn't for that, we maybe never would have seen the CJ McCollum that we have right now. So, right. He, I think he's afraid that if he lets Ed Davis stay there too long, cause he already knows what he's getting with Ed Davis, but you don't necessarily know yeah. what you're getting with Zach Collins. And he could potentially be a very good big man in this league. And so he's going to get all yeah. the minutes behind Nurkic and behind Al Farouk Aminu at the power forward position at points too. Um, and he's going to get his chance to shine. So we're going to have to see what this, this uh, second year man is worth. Yeah. It's funny that you have him as an X factor because I'm, I feel like I, I, I had Zach Collins as an X factor last year as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. As I was pretty surprised um, reading more about him and seeing him in the summer league, and he kicked ass in the summer league this year as well. Um, with mm-hmm. that Trailblazer summer league team that was essentially just a cheat team, but that's <laughs> right? a different talk. Yeah. <laughs> a little mad that but, uh, the Lakers didn't get to repeat <laughs> the summer league. Because I mean, of that. Cal- I mean, they had so many lottery picks in yeah, that game. Did. I mean, they had Zach Collins, <laughs> right? <laughs> the Lakers didn't have Lonzo Ball or any of they those had dudes. Josh but Hart. anyways, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Zach Collins is the real deal. I think this guy still has a lot of room for growth, and uh, it's a shame. Hopefully, this Blazer core sticks together long enough to have a guy like Zach Collins really uh provide the production that he can. Uh, whilst with the good with this good uh Trailblazers core, or it could be that uh this core gets broken up uh before Zach Collins is really able to break out into his own. Right. So if we're looking at the projected starting lineup for this team, you have Lillard and McCollum, obviously, and you have Nurkic at the center. But then you have some holes here, I think, between Evan Turner and Al Farouk Aminu. There's nothing wrong with Aminu, in my opinion, but he just doesn't give you that it factor, you know? Like, he has has good defense, and he can space the floor pretty well, but... It just doesn't do it for me. I can't really see this guy contributing on a very large scale. I think this is where they really want to see Zach Collins shine and take over his position. But Zach Collins is a little too big, I think. So they're going to have to start a menu to start this season. And Evan Turner, man, this guy, <laughs> I don't I don't even know. He got such a big deal. It's like you have to play him a four-year, $70 million deal. But he can't really shoot the yeah. three well. He can't really he's not even really that good of a shooter. Like No. I don't I don't really know where he fits in and I just see that as a huge gaping hole in this starting lineup. Yeah, I mean the Trailblazers I'm surprised they they were able to finish with that third seed last year, but then they got swept, so I guess that kind of just <laughs> ruins that. Well fluky, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean their mistakes all started back in twenty sixteen when they signed Evan Turner. Uh, who else? They they signed a a string of dudes to pretty big deals. Um, they've been able to get rid of some of those guys, but Evan Turner's that deal that they they they've been forced to keep holding on to. Um, I mean, and I don't blame him. I guess Evan Turner did look like he could have been like he was going to be a lot better of a player than what we're seeing now. Uh, but I mean, hey, that's just the name of the game. It happens, right? I mean, it's definitely not the worst contract in the NBA. We can name a few, no. a few others that are definitely much worse. But yeah, as it stands, like this lineup just doesn't like the depth. They lost a lot of depth. Um, so I mean, Zach mm-hmm. Collins might be able to improve, but it's hard to replace four guys on that were 
getting pretty good minutes on your roster. So I, I see this team as trending down quite a bit. I I think this team will honestly, if I'm looking at all the other teams in the West, they're ninth in my rankings. Nine. They're missing the playoffs. So ninth. That. Yeah. So for reference, ninth last year was the Denver Nuggets at 46 wins. I'm when I when we're doing these previews, I'm trying to figure out where I would place them in the seating, but I'm almost. I just don't even know how that's gonna work out. Yeah, I mean it's just, so hard to predict, but I, yeah, I mean if I'm looking at it, I see this team as the ninth m- most powerful team. Like I, I don't know, just as yeah. far as just roster construction and everything. Where, yeah, what do you, so what you, do you think? Do you, I see. I, I, I still have a hard time ranking them, um, in order like that. But I am gonna go with less. So last year they got forty nine wins. I'm going with less than that. Okay. This is, yeah, this is a forty four win team, I think, and which forty four wins places them basically in ninth. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at last year, uh, last year Nuggets forty six, Clippers forty two and ten. So forty four yeah. right falls right in between there, which sucks because they're that's still over five hundred. Yeah, it's not but, bad, but. Yeah, I mean, we both have them as trending down, and if you're trending down in the West, you might as well call it quits. Like cause these team, these teams are hungry, man. There's there's ten, eleven teams in this division, in this conference that are gunning for the playoffs, gunning for fifty wins this season. Any of them can do it. Yeah, I will say though, um, I think for me, the Trailblazers are going to absolutely obliterate the Lakers. Nah, I know. Game one <laughs> yeah, of this you, NBA you season, made that very and that clear. might. <laughs> And that might be their biggest call to fame because oh. they're going to be ready to just kill it on the basketball court after getting swept last year. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're going to make that clear every week leading up to the season. You're just you're just trying to prepare yourself for disappointment. I feel is what you're doing right now. <laughs> I I just feel like everybody's so buying so much into the hype. I don't want to <laughs> fall into disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, to, to finish off the Blazers, I think the storyline to follow here is if the Blazers are going to be trending down, if they're not looking good uh, towards the trade deadline, will we see Lillard or McCollum traded this season in hopes of restructuring the team and trying to get some of these hefty contracts offloaded so they can start fresh? Yeah, I guess it would depend what's available. Uh, for a while there, I felt like a CJ McCollum for Kevin Love trade mate made sense um i don't know if that could work out anymore this time around Hmm. being as kevin love has that new deal right um a lot older i'm thinking what else out there could would make sense for this yeah i mean i haven't thought too much about it but i i know that there were there's definitely been rumors for both of these guys being traded so I mean, mm-hmm. if things if things start going south, I I would not be surprised to see it happen. Yeah, I mean, if you really wanted somebody big, I think you would have to pair CJ McCollum with Zach Collins and and see what kind of package you get from yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you'd be looking for uh, a high draft pick. I think is what you'd be looking for if you're the Blazers, potentially for yeah, next the, year even because the draft class next year is looking really good. Try to get uh, what's that kid's name? Zion, Zion Williamson or R.J. Barrett yeah. or one of those guys. Yeah, I guess that's the thing you could go with. Like, uh, do you go for a player to pair up with Damian Leonard and continue making uh, potentially getting to 40, 49 wins or 40, 46, 47 wins? Or do you just completely uh, 
gut the team here and keep Leonard or keep McCollin and go for a high draft pick. Right, because yeah, you're not really going to see much improvement from Lillard or McCollum at this point in their careers. Do you, mm-hmm. Maybe Nurkic improves a little bit. I, I don't think so. Zach Collins is where all the potential lies, and that that's your backup center. So I, I just yeah. I just don't see where the where the push would be for this team to improve. Yeah. You got to get rid of Evan Turner somehow. You got to get rid of Evan giving Turner. Anything yeah, <laughs> good luck, man. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. But how about um, Oklahoma City Thunder, the elite of this uh, of this division, or at least what seems to be? Yeah, I mean I, the Thunder. I think we we're both in agreement. They're looking like the best team in this division. Not that they're that yeah. much better than the other guys, but those couple wins are going to really make the difference in the playoff seating. Um, I would say the Thunder probably had the best off season of any of these guys by keeping Paul George and mm-hmm. Jeremy Grant. Maybe not Raymond Felton as much. That yeah. <laughs> that that one doesn't really matter. But they also did add some nice guys with Dennis Schroeder, Timothy, TLC. We'll call him TLC. <laughs> Just skip that last name. And then Nerlens Noel on a minimum and uh, Abdel Nader. Also uh, drafting Hamadou Diallo from Kentucky, who is a consensus five-star prospect out of high school. And didn't make a huge splash at Kentucky his freshman year, but... He definitely has the potential, um, as much potential as any of the first rounders that were selected. Yeah. And then, I mean, we're looking at departures, which is this is this is the good one is Carmelo Anthony. Like that that might as well be put in the addition category. <laughs> <laughs> and then Nick Collison finally retiring. Um, he he deserves nothing but respect from that Thunder organization. He was there from the beginning. Yeah, and then a few a few um, small time guys, Dakari Johnson. It's a cool first name, and Rodney yeah. Purvis. So all in all, man, like these these additions are looking really good for the Thunder for a team that already was looking super stacked last year. At this point, now looks even better. And so when you, <laughs> yeah, when you can improve like that, in when you don't really have when you didn't really have that much to work with in the first place. Hats off to Sam Presti again. I think he's got a winner. Yeah, I think we everybody who's an NBA fan and NBA insider was impressed with how what Sam Presti was able to do with his offseason. Because, I mean, the big argument was, well, if Carmelo Anthony opts in, you, you, you've got no choice but to keep him or figure out some way of buying him out, and that might just make the team worse. There's no way you can figure out a way to both get rid of Carmelo Anthony and still make this team better by adding what you needed, which was a young piece mm-hmm. coming off your bench. Um, and But they got it. They did all the above. Um, Dennis Schroeder, I think, is going to be a huge addition uh, to this team. Grant continues to be um, a spark plug for them. And they got Andre Robertson, to, who's returning, and that's that light at the end of their tunnel, I guess you could say. <laughs> totally. Um, and you got Paul George. Hey, that was the main thing right there, the main catalyst. Had that not happened, I mean, who knows? Maybe Oklahoma City just doesn't survive as an NBA franchise um, after a couple years of tanking is yeah. what or I imagine would be their next call. Maybe a couple years of Russ keeping them afloat, but then he'd be so yeah. pissed off about it, he'd eventually leave. And then, then they're in the Atlanta Hawks doldrums of the NBA. But, yeah, yeah Paul George coming back, that's – so huge for this team and now they're looking to contend for the next three or four years 
Yeah. I mean, for me, I heading into this season, we're talking about X factor of what's taking this team to uh, better than better than better than what we feel they could be is Dennis Schroeder. I mean, this is a team that was ranked 29th and bench scoring last year. Um, and now they add this young guy uh, who averaged 19 points a game last year, uh, had a 30 percent usage rate. So this is a guy who's not afraid uh, to handle that ball, uh, make plays or score if he has to. And I think this is the best thing they could have they could have gotten uh, with what they had. Uh, so Dennis Schroeder, uh, I'm really looking forward to what he could do for this team. Yeah, I know. I know we're, second uh, unit. we're we're definitely in, uh, a little separated in what in terms of what we think he's going <laughs> to produce next year. Um, as we yeah. discussed a few weeks ago, I, I think he'll still. Yeah, I mean, he's going to bring up that bench scoring number either way. But for yeah. me, my X factor is actually Jeremy Grant. Because if you're looking at the projected starting lineup for this team, you have Russ, you have Roberson at the two, and then you have Grant at the three, George at the four, and Adams at the five. George at the four seems undersized, and Roberson himself is undersized at the two. And so you're looking at Grant to have to fill in a lot of holes here as far as size goes and really talent. I've, I've yet to see something that's made me that impressed by Jeremy Grant as far as what he can contribute to this team outside of energy and youth. But yeah, yeah he, he's going to have to lot to prove to prove that he can take what Carmelo Anthony was last year and make more of it. That's true. At, yeah. You hit the nail on the head. There is that. Yeah. Jeremy Grant was great for the role he's had up to this point, which was simply a guy coming off the bench 15 to 20 minutes a game. Yeah. But now you're talking starting lineup. He he's gonna have an impact. He's gonna be if he's out there for twenty five plus minutes. That's huge impact on the game. Right. He's gonna have to elevate his game quite a bit. But e- even so, we have to have this team trending up, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I I think I I think so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I have him as third in the West. Um. I don't think there's much. I don't. I don't think that's going to be very difficult for them. I could see them getting as high as two or one, like we were talking about, if Golden State does get off to that rocky start. I mean, the Thunder have the talent and the ability to get through a regular season with a lot of wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at 50, 55 wins for this team in the regular season. I, I think they can step it up. 55 yeah. wins. I was going to say that. Is the question? Is it out of the question to say that this team doesn't get to 50 wins? Mm. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. I I wouldn't say it's out of the question, but it's it's definitely more likely I think this year than it was last year. Yeah. So last year they won 48 games. I have them trending up as well. You have them at 55. I was thinking 52. Okay. But um yeah, I mean same thing over 50, we both think they're going to win over 50 games, so they'll definitely be playing for that uh one or two. I don't think the third seed will probably get to 50 wins maybe the Houston Rockets. It's, it's going to be but, so uh, interesting to see how all these teams finish. It might just be something similar to last year where everyone three through nine is hovering between 46 and 48 wins. It could easily mm-hmm. be that, but I have to think yeah. there, there, I, I just feel like it's not going to be the exact same as last year. I just feel like so, there's going to be some separation there between the teams that we, we're not going to be able to foresee at the start of the season. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm going with 52 wins for OKC here. Uh, potentially second or third seed in the West. Yeah, cool. Let's let's power through here. We uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, we got we got three more teams to go over. <laughs> yeah. Well, All right, let's go. This one will be easy uh, though. This one will be easy. It's my favorite team right yeah, now. Yeah, we, we talk about Outside them all the time because of you. <laughs> it's the Utah Jazz, of course. Yep. They didn't add anybody except for Grayson Allen. That's the only person <laughs> they added that's new, really. And 21st pick in the draft. Um, he shot 38% from three in college with a pretty very good 83% free throw shooting. You like to see that. Yeah, um, that's yeah. good. And the only person they lost was Jonas Jerebko. So all they did was swap <laughs> Jerebko and Allen. They kept Exum. They kept Favors. They even kept Raul Nato and gorgeous, <laughs> and gorgeous Nyang. Yeah, I wish my first name was Gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Where is this guy from? Who? Sounds like he's like from Southeast Asia or something. Who, gorgeous? Oh yeah. no, dude, he's he's some some sort of African. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Okay, I, yeah. I don't know what, but um, yeah. So they basically have the same team as last year, but we still have this team team trending upwards despite all that. Yeah, I mean, why not? everybody's young this is a core that's only getting better um unfortunately last year they they lost rudy gobert to almost two months worth of basketball almost what was it like four weeks and then another five weeks yeah yeah so you're looking at two months little a little bit over two months worth of basketball so i've i mean fingers crossed rudy gobert stays healthy Uh, this is this might be another team that's hovering right there at 50 wins in the west i think yeah it really could i don't i I don't see them making that jump up in the win percent like the thunder like i think they could win 55 i don't see this team getting to 55 but i could see 50 i could also see 46 it's it's not mm-hmm. really like it's not really set in stone for me like how well this team's gonna do compared to the rest of the west their starting lineup is exactly the same as last year with rubio mitchell <laughs> ingles favors and gobert and, you know, it, yeah. it's a solid lineup. I mean, you really don't have any holes there. Like, all these guys, are they know their roles, and they're going to play well together. Um, yeah. We have the X Factor as Dante Exum. I mean, you sign this guy for three years, $33 million, I believe. That's $11 yeah. million a year for a guy that hasn't really proven anything to us yet. He's mm-hmm. going to have to thought- become that player that he was drafted to be. Yeah, he was supposed to be that second coming out of Australia. Yeah, number five pick aside overall. Of, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of hype around this kid uh, based on his play in the international tournaments back when he was only an 18-year-old. I mean, he had a string of injuries. But, um, hey, I still believe in this guy. I'm a little bit surprised how much money he got because I don't – I just find it hard to believe that there was actually a lot of teams out there offering him that much money to force the – Utah to up their contract to that. I bet, I bet the that, Kings uh, were offering him something stupid, though. <laughs> <laughs> can you can you just picture the Kings offering him just like like three years, thirty million, just just because they can, <laughs> just because they need to hit that yeah, minimum. Just, yeah, they just gotta spend money. Yeah, it's interesting though. Yeah, Dante Exum definitely the X factor. Um, It'll be exciting to see him play a full season healthy. And um, we got to see a, a little bit of him in the playoffs last year, which I think was great. I think he was awesome in that Houston series until he went down. Yeah. But, man, he was giving James Harden a hard time. Yeah. I mean, he's he's big. He's just he's a <laughs> yeah, he's a point guard, uh, six, six. And he's got a pretty huge wings, a pretty large wingspan. Uh, so basically the, the type of NBA defender that you want uh, nowadays. Right. 
Yeah, and so I think something else just to follow here, like the really the only other thing to follow here is Donovan Mitchell going to improve his game. Yeah. Like we've, we've mm-hmm. seen so much of what he can do in the playoffs. Can he keep getting better? I think is the question. Yeah. I think he can. I think it's more likely than not at this point that he's just going to keep ascending until he gets to that superstar level of NBA play. Yeah, do we see him break into the top 20 of NBA players this year? I think year? so. I, I think it's pretty likely, honestly. They're just He has so much talent. He's really smart, and he, he just yeah. knows his role on the team. He's not selfish at all. He has great decision-making ability. A freak athletically. Uh, there's yeah. just there's just nothing wrong. There's what what can you say wrong about Donovan Mitchell? I, there's nothing. <laughs> he is he's good. He's a he's a damn good scorer, and I think he's in a perfect place because the Utah Jazz are, they just seem like one of the better constructed teams. I think teams in is in that they don't have any crazy individual, but everybody uh just fits that role really well and Donovan Mitchell is obviously the scorer on that team so mm-hmm. that's all he's got to think about he doesn't have to worry about sharing the scoring load with anybody <laughs> no you don't think Joe Ingles <laughs> is like hey you gotta pass me the rock more <laughs> I mean I'm sure Joe Ingles is gonna be open for three uh and on the post but yeah I don't think Joe Ingles is gonna be battling uh to get his 25 points a game nah. <laughs> or anything like that <laughs> no nah, yeah they all know their roles really well Quinn Snyder's a superstar coach. They're they're, going to be there from the get-go this year. They're not going to sneak up on anyone. Yeah. So what do you got? What do you have them at? So they got 48 wins last year. I think I'm going to settle with with 49 right there. Oh, actually, you know what? I'm going in. I'm going 50 wins. They're getting 50 wins. Yeah. Okay. I, I could see 50. I could see 49. I think they'll get the same amount, honestly. I, I'm going to just stick with 48 again. But... Mm-hmm. I, it's it's a better 48 i think yeah. i don't know if that makes sense Does that makes sense it's just like it's not as sporadic and it's just going to be consistency throughout the season and you're going to see these guys play like improve during the regular season and learn how to like everything about each other and learn how to play with each other perfectly and come playoff yeah, time I- you're really going to see that ascension take place yeah, I understand what you mean by balance because this team was out of the playoff picture through the first three months of the NBA season. Right, yeah. And they really turned it on that second half. Um, but, yeah, so let's move on here to the Timberwolves. Interesting team here in that uh, same same story a little bit as OKC and in, in that they really had not a lot of wiggle room to make any big offseason moves. Instead, uh, well, they didn't have to rely on any big-time free agent to hopefully sign with your team. So they got everybody returning the big question here um is is whether or not this is all well kept worth keeping and how well is it going to do to uh together are all these pieces going to do uh together so their additions this year is a a man by the name of anthony tolliver um uh just a little small free agent pickup Mm -hmm. uh big time shooter 73 77 percent of his shot attempts were from three so it's a lot of he'll be starting (laughs) yeah so He's just kind of like a role player they're signing on, and as well as uh, James Nunnally. Hmm. So James here James. is a Euroleague. <laughs> James here is a Euroleague superstar that the uh. Uh, the Timberwolves have brought on over. So he shot what I think is pretty insane, fifty five percent from three, which this was in the Euroleague. So uh, the amount of shots they shoot 
the amount of threes they shoot there is a lot greater. So I don't think that's going to be well kept in the NBA. But, uh, I mean, hey, if you can shoot even 42% from three in the NBA, then you're solid. Is this is this um, guy actually European? Or is he just playing in the EuroLeague? Do we know? Um, I'm not sure. Because James... I think he... James is the least European name I've ever heard. <laughs> How is it? He could be from the UK. Yeah, I guess so. It's just, <laughs> he could be like, from London. Yeah. Let's see. I'll look it up. You can keep keep going on this on these rosters. I think it's just we're so used to <laughs> when we think Europe, it's like Eastern Europe. Okay, no, no. This this guy went to college at UC Santa Barbara and he grew up in Stockton. <laughs> He's totally Californian. Okay. Yeah, he grew up in what Stockton. And now he's then he went and became a yeah three point specialist in the Euroleague. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he played well, at UC Santa Barbara for four years. Um, was on the summer league teams for a few years, and then he went to Europe um, for three years. Yeah. So who did who did this team draft? They drafted Josh Okogi at number twenty. Uh, not bad. Thirty-eight percent shooter from three. Uh, he's a six-foot-six uh, shooting guard with a seven-foot wingspan. So another young athlete added to this Timberwolves team. Um, and then with their second pick, they added Keita Bates Diop at number forty-eight, um, a senior coming out of uh, Kentucky, I believe. Uh, he was a he was the Big Ten Player of the Year nice. here. So. Kind of a, yeah, some dude with a lot of uh, college experience, so hopefully integrate him into this squad. But the key departures here is Jamal Crawford, Colt Aldridge, and Nermanha Bichelika. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's Nemanja Bajelica. No, I don't. No, that's not right. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, you lose Jamal Crawford here, but I don't really... It's not much. I don't think that's a – it's not much. It's not a big sting here. Uh, I guess the big victory is you get Derrick Rose back on a veter- on a minimum contract. Um, you add a little bit more depth at that point guard position. Um, but I think the real story here with this team is they're basically $18 million over the cap. Uh, you got Carl Anthony Towns who's now eligible for a contract extension. Uh, whether or not that extension has been offered – or has been turned down by Carl Anthony Towns. Nobody's sure as of now. And you also have Jimmy Butler on an expiring deal um, as well. And there is no commitment from him. So and rumors are circulating that if the Timberwolves don't get a commitment from him, uh, he'll be traded at some point this year. So, and I think for this team, even more than outside of those, I think this summer what they probably should have tried to solve is their issue with their contract situations with Jeff T, who they signed for $19 million, who's getting $19 million a year. Uh, he got that last year. He's getting this this year, and he's getting it next year. And Gorgie Dang, who for some reason <laughs> had signed to an absurd amount of money, he's getting $15 million this year. He's getting 16 the following year, and then 17 the next <sighs> year. Uh, this is for a guy who's coming off the bench. Uh, you're looking at eight points, eight rebounds a game. I don't, not really the type of guy you want yeah, that much money committed right? to. When I, when I saw so th- that, um, when I saw that you put that he has 15 million here, I was like, what? That's insane. I need to look up his stats. Like, what is he doing? And there was nothing <laughs> impressive there. It's like he started a few games for them three years ago or like a couple dozen games a few years ago. And he, yeah, he was averaging like 10 points and seven rebounds. I was like, that's worth 15 million. 
I don't know about that. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I don't see it. But, yeah, they, they, <laughs> they definitely have some contract woes to work out. If you got rid of Teague, though, who do you really think you'd get in return, though? Because otherwise you're only looking at Derek Rose and Tyus Jones at the point guard position, and that's a pretty significant downgrade from what you know is just like an average, at least, NBA point guard in Jeff Teague. Yeah. I mean, more than anything, this is just looking towards your uh, your future well-being financially for your team, I guess, here, uh, in that something's got to give with either uh, Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. If you want to keep these three, you're definitely going to dig deep into the pockets um, and keeping Jeff Teague and Gorgie Dang. I mean, I'm not sure what the Timberwolves owner looks like, but he's going to have to pay up <laughs> if he wants to keep this team intact after this year and still hold on to his superstars. Uh, so the projected starting lineup we're looking at, not much different from last year, but you're looking at Jeff Teague, Wiggins, Butler, Tosh Gibson, and Carl Anthony Towns at center. Though it seems like if there's one team that could trade a superstar, it's going to be this team with Jimmy Butler here. Um who's still on that who's on that expiring contract and rumors are swirling around and Jimmy Butler loves to hang out with other NBA stars so it doesn't really help out the cause uh of those rumors pushing and I think that's going to be the storyline throughout the year and I think those questions will probably come up almost every day during practice so that's what I consider the X factor here is how this is going to be handled um these guys are all grown competitive men <laughs> and Andrew Wiggins is getting paid $25 million a year as the third option Oof. more than any, more, more than Butler and more than, uh, uh, Carl Anthony, Anthony Towns. Yeah. And I wonder what Jimmy Butler is going to do about his, his deal and is Kat going to stay as a Timberwolf. So let's see how that handles. Um, in terms of trending, I think I'd see this team staying the same. I think they're going to hover around 47 wins, uh, possibly, um, either lose out on that last spot via tiebreaker or get that spot via tiebreaker almost the same way they did la- this year. So I, th- I, this is where I disagree. I think this team's trending down. They didn't lose mm. anyone as far as people, but yeah, Jimmy Butler's gotten a taste of what it's like to play with Wiggins and Cat, and he does not seem to be digging it very much. I, I don't see no. him chumming it up with with Carl Anthony Towns or Andrew Wiggins very much. You see the situation where Carl Anthony Towns hasn't been offered a max contract yet, when he's one of the most talented big men in the game, and you're not gonna out, you're gonna risk letting this guy walk. The, this yeah. just this team seems to be falling apart, and I'm I'm putting them as the tenth seed in the West this year. What are you thinking? You are you so that would be what you're looking at forty, if not under I'm looking 40 at wins? I'm looking at like forty two to forty four wins for this team. I I, I okay. cannot see them matching what they did last year. This team just doesn't seem to be working. And Tom Tom Thibodeau just I don't know how how I feel about him as a coach, honestly. Like <laughs> the way he just like pushes Jimmy Butler to play 40 plus minutes a game. I don't think Jimmy Butler is very happy about that. I yeah. you're really risking one of these guys getting hurt when you're playing them that many minutes. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't like the vibe of all Taj Gibson's 33 years old. Now Jeff Teague is boring. <laughs> they really have no depth to speak of outside of Derek Rose. Anthony Tolliver can shoot some threes, but he's not going to replace Jamal Crawford's playmaking ability. 
I yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't see where the the signs of life are for this team. Wiggins hasn't made that jump yet that everyone I suspected him to make by now already. Yeah, could we see uh, Donovan Mitchell jump Andrew Wiggins? Oh, I think he already has, dude. <laughs> I don't think. I, yeah, I, I would agree. way rather have Donovan Mitchell on my team than Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. So I I give him 47 because I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and that they lost Jimmy Butler for what was three weeks at, towards the end of the year. Um, and without that loss, they probably could have held on to either the fourth or the fifth seed, maybe. Uh, although the Utah Jazz made a big push there towards the end. Uh, but I'm giving them that. They lost Jimmy Butler for possibly the worst time of the season yeah, that's, for them. That's true. So maybe that doesn't happen this year. So they still, I think, finish with that 40, uh, finish around that seven, 47 win mark. Yeah, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But either way, I think when you're looking at they have to play all these West opponents who got better. Like you're looking, you're yeah. looking at the Nuggets, who we're gonna say is trending up. The Thunder trending up. The Jazz are trending up. Like these are all teams they're gonna have to play four times. Uh, <laughs> I can see this win total decreasing because th- this team might be the worst in the division, even with a winning record. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Everybody can't trend up, right? Somebody's exactly. Gotta go yeah, down. we're have if we have all these teams <laughs> trending nothing or up, who's trending down, right? <laughs> like this team's trending down for me. I I, I think this is going to be the one. All right. Well, let's go to uh, Denver. The Denver Nuggets, who probably uh, had a pretty good offseason, I think. One of the – or at least high reward, uh, low risk. Or, yeah, low risk, high reward type of offseason in that they got Michael Porter Jr. at number 14, the number – the former number one high school recruit um, of his class. They got him at that 14th pick, which is basically the last lottery pick. So interesting there and see he's obviously going to be a development project um, as he just got uh, surgery yet again this summer. So we might not even see him actually play in the NBA until the later later second half of the yeah. season, if even that. I haven't heard reports um, he might then, not play till next year. Yeah, it's possible. And I mean, there really is no have to with this guy uh i feel like the denver nuggets have built up a pretty nice core here that uh has the potential to continue to get better as every year that goes by uh they also got jared vanderbilt with the 41st pick another guy who uh kind of flew under the radar only played 14 games last year due to injuries so he's another work in progress for them but i think their big free agency here is isaiah thomas Though I don't think we're ever going to see MVP Isaiah Thomas. I think as soon as I saw him, uh, once he came back, um, and then he got traded to the Lakers, play a couple more games, like, in my mind, I've kind of saw that. I think it's over for right Not over, but I think the MVP talks and all that, yeah. I think, is uh, long gone. It's just the perfect but nonetheless, system for him in Boston. It just won't be the same. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that surgery, that injury, I think, took a lot out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways... He still managed to average 15 points with the Lakers uh, coming off the bench. And I think he can do that still here in Denver. Maybe not 15, but anywhere between 13 to 15 points a game, which would be pretty good for this Denver Nuggets team to have him coming off the bench and should help their cause. They brought back Will Barton on a four-year $53 million. Uh, maybe he was overpaid, but I, I, I don't think, think Will so. Barton is a good. Yeah, I like Yeah, Will I think Barton. he's a great addition mm-hmm. to this team. Yeah, I- 
He's a he's a good shooter, scorer, and he's very versatile on the defensive side. Yeah, and he's way better than Wilson Chandler. Like I I was <laughs> oh, yeah. I was pretty upset seeing Wilson Chandler starting over Will Barton for this Nuggets team last year. I'm like, man, this Will Barton guy seems way better than him. Like, I wish he had more mm-hmm. minutes. And now he finally will get those minutes. So I'm pretty excited to see some more Will Barton next year. I I, I think this guy, out of all the young Nuggets players, you're talking like Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, I think Will Barton honestly has the best chance at getting to an all-star game. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, if there's a breakout year headed for this guy, it's this coming season. I mean, he's definitely going to be playing minutes and – uh, that role's been—he's carved out a good role for himself on this squad as that defensive anchor, as that wing defensive anchor and uh, three-point shooter for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and departures. On that note, Wilson Chandler traded away Kenneth Fareed, Darrell Arthur, all uh, traded away in salary dump moves, all for the Denver Nuggets to be able to re- to sign Will Barton to his deal and also give Jokic his uh, max extension, five years. 147 million which big is big money. Hey, <laughs> big money, a big move for this Nuggets franchise who's looking to come return back to the to the NBA playoffs after not making it since the really the Carmelo Anthony days and Chauncey Billup days. Yeah, it really should have been last year, man, winning 46 yeah. games. This West is just brutal, but hey, they're bringing back these young guys, Will Barton, they still got Jamal Murray, they still got your boy Gary Harris. You, you yeah. love you some Gary Harris. And then Paul Millsap. That's a good. If Paul Millsap wasn't hurt for so long last season, this team would have been a shoe-in for the playoffs. But, I yeah, think hopefully so. if he stays healthy, if this team stays healthy, they will most certainly make the playoffs this year. And not even really bringing in anybody that otherwise wasn't on the team last year. I mean, you have Isaiah Thomas coming in, but – you're losing Wilson Chandler. You're losing Kenneth Fareed and Darrell Arthur because they just had to dump some salary. Mm. There's really no net gain there. So where their gain comes is like with the Jazz just in their player development and Jokic just right. having another year to like gain that superstar status. Yeah. I mean, Jokic, hey, I mean, based on the numbers he, he puts up, we could see him break into that MVP conversation Ooh, at some point this season. Be... I don't Ooh. think it'll be... <laughs> I don't think it'll be long-lived, but I wouldn't be surprised if for a stretch of like two or three weeks, he, he finds himself in that conversation. Oh, man. That's so hard. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen yet. Or You don't, I don't think, think so? so. I, I, can't, I don't think Jokic is an MVP type of player. He's really, really good. He's a star player, but he's not that, that MVP threshold level. I, I just don't see that. I don't think he'd ever realistically finish top three or um, or top five in the voting, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's in that conversation. In the he finds this, he sneaks his way in the MVP rankings mm. at some point. This I'm just year. having a hard time picturing it. Really, yeah. it's just I, I'm Dude, trying to picture them talking about Jokic as an MVP. It just does not connect in my brain. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Then that 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 might be a controversial take, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, this is a team that has progressively gotten better. They went from 30 wins, 33 to 40, and finally last year at 46. Um, that X factor, I think, is Paul Millsap yet again, um, and it's his health, really. He missed almost three months' worth of games last year, the team going 24-20 and 20 without him. And once he came back, they won 13 of their final 22 games. But more than anything, Paul Millsap is the veteran among a very young squad of players 
who have zero playoff experience and really uh this is the first time they've ever experienced winning in the nba which was last year at 46 and paul Millsap has been on teams that have won 60 games right yeah <laughs> surprisingly if you don't remember the atlanta hawks team but paul Millsap, outside of that is I mean, he's just he's a he's a scorer. He's a defensive anchor. He's a leader, and they they miss him and they need him on the floor. Um, so hopefully that health holds up. And if he's there, um, this Denver Nuggets team could be in could shoot themselves in, into the playoffs for the first time in a while. So last year they won forty games, and I just can't help but still say this team has to trend up, uh, considering well, last Paul year Millsap's they won forty six games. Lack of health. Last year they won forty six. Yeah. They were forty six and thirty six, right? They were only like one oh game right, out. right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So this, so yeah, last year this team won forty six um, with Paul Millsap healthy. Forty eight, possibly. That's what I'm looking at too. I I just can't <laughs> picture this team not trending up as far as like yeah. their, their roster goes. You give an extra year to their young the, their young backcourt. Um, the front court's super strong probably one of the strongest in the west this Mm -hmm. is a this is a 48 win team i think it's a playoff team for sure i'm looking at if i'm if i go into my own rankings i have them at sixth overall in the west so okay pretty yeah pretty solidly in that playoff picture and we haven't even talked about jamal murray i think jamal murray played pretty oh, nice he, that second half of the year yeah i mean he's not a very good passing point guard but he's a very good playmaking <laughs> point guard and yeah he's only he's 21 years old he has a lot of room to improve um and yeah he's, yeah he's a super young talented player i mean you can say the same thing for gary harris as well like this this is a solid lineup for nuggets right now and they, they still have a good amount of depth to match it yeah i mean gary harris was in that conversation for most improved player for a couple times yeah, true. Last year. Yeah, I mean, you have cool. Isaiah Thomas backing up Jamal Murray, which is great. I think that's awesome. And you even have, like, talented guys like Trey Lyles at power forward off the bench, Mason Plumlee yeah. at center. He'll he'll give you some energy mm-hmm. and some annoying defense. <laughs> yeah, you need these guys. Yeah. But anyways, to close the podcast off, uh, let's just a friendly reminder out there that not only Carl Anthony Towns has not been offered a contract section, extension but also the 76ers don't have a general manager yet (laughs) wow that's crazy (laughs) after firing their general manager for social media um scandal that involved burner accounts (laughs) and his wife (laughs) (laughs) sounds so ridiculous when you put it that way (laughs) (laughs) yeah he was fired um and they still have yet to hire for that spot. They went through the entire NBA offseason with speculation that they might be running in the running for LeBron James, but they didn't have that one thing that you needed to build the basketball team, oh. which is your general manager. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, well, anyways, on the Woj pod, owner, um, Joe, uh, the owner of the 76ers, Harris, said that they might leave the interim structure that they currently have right now in place, which basically means that Brett Brown, the head coach of the 76ers, will also serve as a general manager as the 76ers are waiting for, quote unquote, elite talent uh, to be uh, to be eligible for interview and for hire. So I don't know with who the 76ers will consider um, elite talent and. I'm not sure how long they're willing to wait because it seems like at this point you're two months away from the NBA season. Um, 
So how much leverage do you really have? They should just bring back Sam Hinkie. <laughs> just do it. Just just complete the circle of life. Just <laughs> come on. Do it. <laughs> it would be so yeah. awesome. That would be the best story. I agree. I agree. Well, anyways, um, hopefully we'll keep tracks on this and maybe the 76ers will find themselves a general manager. But next week we'll be breaking down what could possibly be the worst division <laughs> in the NBA, um, the Southeast yeah, Division the in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be chatting. We'll be breaking down the Charlotte Hornets, the Miami Heat, the Orlando Magic. The Atlanta Hawks. Who else is in that? The Atlanta and Hawks. The just And the Wizards. Just a bundle of disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. See you next week. Have a good one, everyone.